Happy Halloween, everybody! Hey! It hey. is it, indeed. Brass, are you wearing a costume? No. Oh, um, okay. This is, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not costumed. I'll be honest. Uh, uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just in my little onesie, and I put on blue lipstick. <laughs> Sorry to let everybody down. <laughs> this is my world. Okay. Well, this is Sunday. Um, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend like I didn't just do that, uh, but it is that that triggered a real embarrassing Halloween party memory for me. Hit it, Mike. Like Why not? With you. Right. Go for it. There, I was at a party and a girl was dressed as a fortune teller, and I didn't come dressed up, and so she was pretty quite a few sheets to the wind by the time she was talking to me and she goes what's your name and I said you're a fortune teller you tell me and she goes Wellington and I still don't know <laughs> how to feel about that compliment <laughs> or an insult all right that was it was enough to confuse me and make me go away maybe it's because you're beefy yes this from the guy who invented the name Dracula Fontaine for to name a deer <laughs> Like, yes, of course I you're did. Wellington. Of course you're Wellington. <laughs> it seemed appropriate because the deer had very satanic horns. <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah. that. That's Wait, where where name. was the satanic deer? How did I miss this? The, it, the... I don't know if I put it Instagram. in my feed or not, but it Instagram. should be some. I'll get a picture of it up on Instagram. Got soon. it. All right. <laughs> but he won the contest. He won the naming contest. The deer well, is now I Dracula did. Fontaine. That's legit. That's Congratulations, Dr Dracula Fontaine. The and deer. I'm much more invested in this deer's life now than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a wild deer? Like how? What? How? Yeah, like in New York, <laughs> as, uh, as wild as they get. as wild as that gets. All right, yeah. fair. Dracula uh, in Brooklyn. It, All right, it has. It's as wild as the rest of the residents. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty wild. Pretty well. All it right. Has to commute. <laughs> <laughs> so domesticated to a certain extent, but, but right, wild yeah. inside. Wild inside. Yes. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, I think I saw the ghost of of Dan Dingman pop up ever so briefly. Ooh. So he may be he may be here. But um, today is potluck. It is our final episode of this. We've done this for a whole month, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, speaking of potluck, today's episode is sponsored by 28 Days Later Country Buffet. Join the <laughs> hordes in the feeding frenzy of the best in English cuisine. Bubble and squeak, tug in the hole, spotted dick, and Cillian Murphy. Don't forget to get your eyes shit on by a bird when you come visit. It's fun for the whole family at 28 Days Later, Later Country Buffet. That, that bird, in, bird shit in the eye thing, I think that's the thing that haunts me the most. From that movie, I thought it was just blood. It was just blood dripping, but it's what? It I thought it was a bird shitting in his eye. No, it's just the blood from his beak. But I'm yeah. with you. Alex. I thought a bird shit in his eye, and he got trans. <laughs> like I've literally lived my entire <laughs> life. What this movie came out? What like fifteen years? Fifteen ago? years ago. Yeah, I've lived fifteen years thinking that that bird shit was sufficient, like, <laughs> sufficiently toxic that it would trans. <laughs> That it would it would it would make it would people into zombies. Kill frenzy. 
I literally, like, I wrote it into this very lackadaisically. I was just like, yeah, bird shit in your eyes turn into a zombie. That's, that's, that's one of the it. ways it's zombieism is transmitted. It's I now I want to do a whole episode. Wrong. I want to do a whole episode on what you thought happened in horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good how much idea. How terrifying they would have been. Had they gone, had they called had they, had they actually been what was in my head? <laughs> yeah, yeah. well. Hmm? I'm just Th saying that's a, a great idea, idea dude. That's, that's not even idea. funny. I, <laughs> yeah, I had it's... a huge misunderstanding about who Freddy Krueger was when I was little. I didn't well, know no, he was Dreams Only. Oh, you didn't think he was Dreams Only? I didn't think he was Dreams Only. I thought he was just appeared at will. <laughs> Which really, oh, uh, really uh, ruined a lot of my childhood because I was afraid of him all the time. Just, just popping up. <laughs> just, just, instead yeah. of not going to bed. Hey, look who's here, everybody. <laughs> ah, and there's no... Oh, and um, then he disappeared. Anyway, right. that's a legitimately good idea, Mike. Don't laugh. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, love it. Um, I, I, I hope Dan can, can jump back on because I really want to... Uh, like. I want to start with my movie. I don't usually like. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm a little bit shy about like. Oh yeah. I'll just throw mine in somewhere in between. I don't kick sure. things off with my stuff. Um, that's part of being a host. You. You. You're hosting post folk. Um, but I want to start with mine because I'm still messed up, um, and I'm going to talk through it because it's in German. Um, the, 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 I could only find a preview in German. And just so everybody knows, this is an Italian film, um, that was, it's kind of like those spaghetti Westerns where they dub it afterwards. And, and so you've oh, got, yeah. you've got people who could speak every single language, um, as part of it. Uh, there we go. Mr. Dingman's Carnival of Pandemonium. No, no, no. No need to apologize, Mr. Dingman. We are happy to have you. We were just talking about this movie that we're about to show. It's the first one, so um, we're just going to kick it off. I'm going to talk through this 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 thing and try to explain to the best of my abilities what's happening. Um, and then afterwards, we'll talk about it, and I'll try to describe what I saw. But now we know that I may not be right at all. So, <laughs> All right, so here we go. All right. Okay. Okay, so Klaus Kinski. Prosperatu, Fuß der Hölle, gib dich uns zu erkennen. I don't know that it would matter if Vampire. this was in Professor Catalano is the führende Wissenschaftler auf diesem Gebiet. Was führt sie nach Venedig? Vampire sind überall. I think you can all recognize the word vampire Yeah.
Liebe zwingt das Böse in die Knie. Die Hingabe einer Jungfrau. Alright, so I'd like wow. some initial reactions. <laughs> yeah, right? So, it's kind of weird that the that this preview was in German, because you guys saw that all of the titles were in Italian, <clears throat> right? And the movie that I watched was in English, and it does star Christopher Plummer, who is, you know, English. And, um, and so, um, yeah, the original name of this movie was... Nosferatu in Venice. It's supposed to be a sequel to the 1972 Werner Herzog Nosferatu movie that also starred uh, Klaus Kinski. Um, but Klaus Kinski refused to... He's just like, I, have, I will not do the makeup. And so in this one, Nosferatu has hair. Um and uh, so that's, I think, the 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 sanest part of everything is that Nosferatu has hair. Um, <coughs> and Wolfman I has a, nards. Wolfman has nards, Nosferatu has yes. hair. Um, so, okay, I, I, it is a difficult movie to explain, but I will try to do my best. Basically, what happens is Christopher Plummer shows up in Venice at the behest of a princess of some sort an elderly princess and um and she's just like vampires are around and he's like yeah they are and she's like because i brought you here because i think there might be one and they're and he's like you mean the one that is hidden in the basement and then she's like yeah that one and she's like it's nosferatu and then nosferatu kind of appears and he goes and visits gypsies and they dance and then then they give him a young woman uh, to feast upon, and 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 then he feasts upon this young woman, and then he goes, and there's a lot of uh, there's several women come in in various levels of disrobement, mm. um, and and uh, Nosferatu has his wicked way with each of them in 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 very weird ways, um, and then. Uh, and then people die, and then Nosferatu runs away, and then they find him, but it's not really him. It's when when they find him, they put a stake through his heart, and then and then instead of dying like a vampire would, he turns into one of the women, uh, and then and then yeah. he's actually upstairs with another woman, and they're sexing it up. And then, so they go upstairs and they find the sexing up with the other woman. And then, and then, and then they're like, no, now we got you. And they're like, and he, he runs away. And then he, one of the guys finds his wife in the garden, but they start kissing. And then he opens his eyes after the kiss and he's been kissing Klaus Kinski, um, Nosferatu, who then kills him. Uh, yeah. And 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 then um, and then Klaus Kinski goes back into the woman he was sexing up and and grabs her and then carries her naked through the streets of Venice and the film is over. And I know that it may seem confusing what I just described, but this film is famous for having been rewritten several times, having had four directors, 
Three oh. of which got two of which got fired before the movie was made, and the third one got fired because Klaus Kinski didn't like him. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no. The stories about Klaus Kinski in this are horrifying, horrifying. He was, in fact, an actual monster. I mean, I don't know if you guys, yeah. do, you guys do you guys know anything about Klaus Kinski at all? Oh, Best yeah. friends with Werner Herzog, yeah. Grassy. What do you know about what do you know about him? Only that he had like a strange love hate relationship with Werner Herzog. That they both like tried to kill each other legitimately. Yes, legitimately life, tried like, to kill each like, other. Yeah, just in I think, time. I think I think uh, Werner Herzog was tried to set his house on fire or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, just very normal, natural German things. But um, <laughs> he, I also know him as this the is how we express affection in Germany. Right. I feel strongly. <clears throat> Uh, I also know that his daughter is Nastasia Kinski. Natasha Kinski, N- which Natasha. you know I'm a very, very big fan of. Also, many stages of disrobement. Um, yes. Uh, from Cat People, which we covered yes. last year. It was my, my, my movie. Yeah, uh, he's a, 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 a great look. I'll say this till I die. He has a great look. It's that very scary Scandinavian blank alpine canvas that his his body but um but i think that most people that are intriguing to watch on screen are troubled within oh thanks a lot uh, i think he was troubled within but that made him that much more cool to watch on screen yeah um i, I so i think the troubled within part uh you're it, we're, we're being kind of mild about it if if was if he mentally really ill wanna... Well, so, okay, so he tried to kill his agent at one point, his theatrical agent. Oh, God. Um, and then he was put into an institution, and they originally diagnosed him with schizophrenia, but then he, but then they're like, no, he's just psychotic. <laughs> Which oh, it's just psychopathy, in, just plain yeah, and simple sociopath. Just plain and simple, yeah, oh, okay. just a plain and simple sociopath. Um, in oh. this film, specifically... Both of the actresses that he acted across from, like like with, accused him of sexual assault during this film, during the filming of this film. Um, to which that's why one of the actresses you never see again. Like suddenly, like like you're just like, wait, what happened to that other woman in this? That was the lead, and she just disappears halfway through the movie. They kind of just switch up. They're like, okay, she's gone. Now there's this new woman. Um, and, and, and so, like, this movie, like, bears, oh, Mike, you're, I think you might be on mute, or we can't hear you. What did you just say? Oh, you're on mute, or, or we can't hear you. Your audio's gone out. No. Maybe, maybe bounce off and bounce back on. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever was just said it sounded grim though yeah. Uh, so yeah so so uh so yeah so this movie was like like it was crazy to watch and then you read about what happened behind the scenes and i mean i don't i don't like he klaus kinski later in life like aside from trying to kill people aside from like sexually assault, assaulting like like fellow actors in space like in 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 the film like he literally like like people just refused to work with him because he was in fact such a real monster and 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 it makes these like these these sexualized scenes this is the final scene 
in in Nosferatu in Venice. Mike, are you around? I think so. Yes. Yep, yeah. Okay. You. We can hear it. So yeah. So this is the last scene in Nosferatu in Venice. Um. And 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 this is like like when you watch this, you feel sort of that horrifying unease that these women are not safe. Um. Which I guess adds to it in a way. But I mean, the the. So I will say this for the movie. Um. It ha it's very Italian, so the music is amazing, and the <laughs> audio is amazing. There's a scene where this old lady in a wheelchair comes to a, into a um, into a dining room, and the squeak on the wheelchair is the primary sound. And there's people speaking over it, but all you can really hear is it's horrifying, horrifying. The entire movie, <clears throat> stressful from beginning to end. And then at the end, you're just like, "What did I just watch?" I, I think I think like like because the, when he ends up kissing the other guy when he's making out with the other guy, like you are not expecting that. You're like, "Wait, I thought she was dead, and where did she come from?" And then she turns into him, and you're just like, <laughs> "What is happening? Like, what is happening?" You feel you feel Klaus Kinski. Assaulting you in this film, yes, it's it's the, it's 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 both amazing and horrifying to watch. And when you know like what happened behind the scenes, it's kind of it definitely ruins it. I didn't know until <clears throat> afterwards, until I started doing my research. Um, As you yeah, were Klaus describing Kinski. this, um, yeah, I didn't know if you were describing a documentary about Klaus Kinski or a movie. Exactly. Yeah, but exactly it, though, Dan. And then he kissed a guy in the garden, and then he became a woman, and then he... <laughs> Is this a documentary? I mean, you know... Been. Well, so he was... He, so Klaus Kinski was a Nazi, too. Like, like he was like he was in the Wehrmacht during World War II. Like really? He fought in the Wehrmacht. Oh. Yeah. I know. I know. Well, have you? I mean, you know about um, like Fitzgeraldo, right? The, no, what's the, yeah? I know, I know about the movie, kind of. So like, there's there's the movie Fitzgeraldo, but the documentary about what a disaster it was to make because they, I mean, I like Werner Herzog; he's great, but he's he's a lunatic too, and they literally were making people pull a steamboat over the mountains. Through the Andes, um, what's it called? Um, Method. Something of Dreams is the documentary of making Vince Geraldo, and just wow. Yeah, I, I and and that's the thing, right? Like, and that's also part of the issue with some of these European filmmakers, right? Like, like you're just like like these guys are living really hard and because they're high profile, they get away with a lot of really crazy right. stuff. Well, I mean, I, I don't think Klaus Kinski should have been allowed near anybody ever. Like, no. period. Just period. He should have been like, locked like, away. Like, uh, yeah, after after he tried to kill his, his agent and after people found out he was in the Wehrmacht, surely that should have been that should have been the ah well we'll just put this period on his career but this is a, a movie from 1988 right right like, like this guy was making yeah. movies in 1988 and they were letting him near 
like like people. Uh, unbelievable. Well, I can two of the best killing the agent thing, but the, <laughs> <laughs> two of the best. Like first off is uh, Werner uh, Herzog eats his shoe. Have you guys ever seen that? Yes, disgusting, but yes. Right, and then the second one is Werner Herzog getting shot in Los Angeles. He's giving an interview, and he gets shot in the middle of the interview, not with a bullet, but with like a BB. And his reaction is <laughs> it's perfectly German. Yeah, I, was I just say, got shot. I bet he doesn't react. I bet he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's really funny. Look oh, it up. Man. It's it's really entertaining. So yeah, so my my final my final entry for this is Klaus Kinski's totally unhinged performance in uh, Vampire in Venice, Nosferatu in Venice. Uh, you can you can catch it in English, Italian, or German um, online uh, in various places. I saw it on Tubi, uh, T-U-B-I, which is a streaming service that I downloaded specifically so I could I could get Nosferatu to buy. Right. Well, there goes all your bank accounts. Yeah. (laughs) So it feels like a bird shit on this production, right in the eye. (laughs) Uh, But um, to me, from the preview, it just looked like a really like they used all the leftover budget from a Red Shoe Diaries and made a horror. Right. It does have the. It does have a very Red Shoe Diaries kind of kind of vibe to it. Yeah, like late night Cinemax sort of. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, and I do want to just say that that Christopher Plummer is is amazing. He's a great actor. He does. He did the thing, right? The 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 Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing thing, right. where he's just where where he is above and beyond the production value and the script and everything he's been handed, and yet he gives it his all and he puts forward a very you know, Chris Plummer, like, 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 I'm sure that, uh, like, after it wrapped, like, he did not speak to anybody on set, went, <laughs> went home, and is just like, just gotta get this done, I gotta keep my head down, you know, and just, just finish this. Uh, so, so, yeah, Mr. so... Mr. Plummer, will we see you at the wrap party? Right? Lose my number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so that was that was uh, a hella weird vampire movie. That's a rough start, Al. It is a rough start. What's your? Let's get let's get rougher. Okay. Amanda Brass, this is oh, yours. Oh, no. sorry, everybody. Here we go. Sorry. Frankenstein comes. May I introduce Count Dracula? Andy Warhol's Dracula. Let me out tonight. No, not tonight. But I don't have the food I eat. They only have chicken, vegetables I've never seen before. I'm sure they have no virgin meat. It must be tonight. The girls are beautiful, they look so pure. But how can we get at them? You are loaded for action! How old are you? Little girl? You don't know what boys do with little girls? No. 
Your sister never told you? You wouldn't be too embarrassed. You are a virgin? Yes. You're telling me the truth? Yes. I believe you. <gasps> what are those marks? The kiss of Count Dracula. 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 After Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, here is Andy Warhol's Dracula. Um, you want to know how much soup cans? No, when they say after Flesh for Frankenstein by Warhol, Mm -hmm. what they're not telling you is. It was less than 12 hours after they wrapped Flesh for, for Dracula that they started Blood for Dracula. Frank Frankenstein. Anyway, R- it was a back-to-back shoot. Oh, okay. Well, so, okay, so I think I think it bears mentioning some of the history here with the Frankenstein movie. Yeah, it's most, most, mostly it's the entire cast from Flesh for Frankenstein. It's complete, they just recast everybody, scooted everybody around a little bit. Got it. Yeah. But the, the 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 flesh for Frankenstein was was kind of uh, it's kind of a naughty film. Um, I think it was unrated or re- NC seventeen or X back X, in the day. Back in the day, yeah. yeah. But not X for X because they used real intestines in the Frankenstein surgery scene. The wow. the surgery the surgery on Frankenstein was like real animal parts, and the censors went. Bad shit. Uh, instead, <laughs> they went bird shit on it, and they said no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Al. Oh said, man, I'm never gonna live times. the bird shit down. No, yeah, they were wild, wild times. Wild times. 1973, 1974. So tell us all about Blood for Dracula, Udo Kier. What's what? What makes this Dracula unique? Uh, okay, the director is a Camp Warhol fella. His name is Paul Morrissey. He's the director of a lot of Warhol's work. He was hanging around in the factory late 60s, early 70s. Paul likes to break rules and turn expectations on their head. So my favorite thing that stands out from this Dracula film as opposed to anything else you'll see, the Renfield character... For Dracula, the, oh, I'll do anything for Master. Oh, please, look at me. We totally throw that away. And we have a Renfield character that is bossy, bitchy, and withholding, like Jessica Walters on, on, on the rest so of the So it's Andy Warhol, essentially. Yeah. I mean, his <laughs> Renfield, the, the Dracula's assistant, the one that can walk around in the day and get things done and make <clears> calls, <throat> totally almost in an abusive relationship with Dracula. He doesn't feed him. He doesn't let him go outside. He tells him, you can't stay. You got to move to Italy. And he and Dracula's like, I don't want to go, but I'm happy Yeah, here. it seems like a very, like Udo Kier plays a very whiny Dracula. He's very tender. Very tender and emo. And he's very small. Very small. So big story behind that. So okay. is this just Paul Massey like letting out his anger at his boss? 
he ne- he doesn't say that he doesn't like Andy Warhol. He doesn't say that he's playing with you know dichotomies here. He just wanted to do something different that people weren't expecting. So it, there's okay. not a. He, he, I listened to the audio commentary from the director and Udo Kier wow. while I watched it. What? If you're Where gonna do it. Where did you find that? Tubi. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, I just searched for it on YouTube. Got it. So I was watching it and hearing Udo Kier uh, from 1996. Udo Kier, three years before Blade. Uh, saying to the camera, I will never work in vampire films again because I don't want to be typecast. <laughs> Bless him. So I mean, you, is yeah. it me or though, or was 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 I, it? It felt like a very like like it felt like a very wispy Dracula. He's very sensitive. So remember when I talked about the last lovers left alive? How yes. they were canaries in the coal mine of an unhealthy society, Dracula or Nosferatu are the first to feel its ill effects. Well, he is the first creature sensitive enough to the how badly society around him is behaving, eating, treating each other. It, it's extremely communist and Marxist film underneath a lot of this uh, stress and tension is communism and Marxism, all shot on location in Italy. Mm. in the early 70s. Uh, so I want to double double make sure everyone understands that on these sets for Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula, 100% totally sober set. No drugs or alcohol on set. Mm. Nothing like that was okay. They were very strict about that. The night they wrapped Frankenstein, Udo Kier treated himself to a bottle of wine by himself in the commissary <laughs> by himself because it was a totally studio set picture it was in 3d of all things okay. he, he sits down by himself and just treats himself to a bottle of wine because he's done the director paul morrissey walks into the canteen and says taps him on the shoulder and says um i guess dracula's german now so enjoy that bottle of wine you're back on set first thing in the morning and you have to lose 10 kilos. And Udo said, but how can I do this? I don't, I don't. Um, he literally stopped eating. Udo stopped eating until he lost 10 kilos. That's about 20 pounds. I think a kilo is a half pound, isn't it? No, I think is it's... Is it double? It's, yeah, it's kind of double. It's like one That's point. really disturbing, because 20 pounds shouldn't be lost quickly. Um, so the wheelchair, we again, my wheelchair thing from uh, the Changeling comes back to haunt me. The wheelchair in Blood for Dracula is because Udo Kier couldn't stand up, because he wasn't eating. <laughs> wow. The level, the That's... right? The levels, guys. The levels. <clears throat> Um, I mean, we've all heard of abusive film sets, right? Like, yeah, like, we like, have. Like, like, I mean, that's that's sort of the 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 conversation that's being had right now after right. The, the, the we the thought tragedy. Rust was bad. Yeah, but but the I mean, the reality is that like like a lot of people like films and film sets get away with a lot because they're because it's art and and so art can be unhinged and uninterrupted. 
uh, you know, and, and, and sort of worth the final product if people, and I don't know how many times, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in like a, like a real crappy film where, or in a shoot where people were just like, like just basically taking advantage of it. Like, no, we got to do this for the movie. And ultimately, like, what was the movie? Like, where did it end up? What was the distribution? It ended up like a bunch of like, like, you know, DVDs stacked underneath the the the, the filmmaker's bed, and that was the end of it. And in the meantime, a bunch of folks, you know, were mistreated, spent their time, and all of these things. Um, and and it feels like both, like, at least at least in the the one that uh, at least in Nosferatu in Venice, like that set must have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Right, like, like, just right. an unhinged, <clears throat> unhinged talent, unhinged director. Um, oh, weird thing. Sorry, I'm just gonna bring this back up about uh, vamp- uh, vampire in Venice, uh, Nostradamus in Venice. Is that um, at the end the the music goes like music inspired by some song by Vangelis. Oh, nice. Who gives, like, why do you give credit for the inspiration of the music? Like, it felt like like they were forced into it. Like, Vangelis is like, that sounds a lot like mine. And they're like, it was inspired by that. We will give you credit. Please don't sue us. Probably. 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 He wanted his name removed from it, but still wanted to make money. Interesting. Wow. Could be. Both could be. Both could be. Anyway, sorry, Bryson. Keep keep going uh, about we're we're on location now. Uh, like I said, they walked out of Frankenstein, wrapped on Frankenstein. It was a set studio, very unnatural, done in 3D with specific lenses. The next day, they were outside in natural light in the Italian countryside, shooting for three weeks for three hundred thousand dollars. That was the total budget. Three three hundred thousand dollars was it. Now, yeah. So you're gonna have some corners cut. It Let's seems it like, like the magic number three hundred thousand seems like like that's the bare minimum you need to make a horror film. Well, like yeah. weren't the weren't the Hammer horrors horror films like weren't they each basically three hundred thousand and and one hundred was was <laughs> fifty goes to to Cushing and fifty goes to Lee. Uh, well, the Something one per- like that. Uh, there there is a oh so we all know the mythology that vampires can't be seen in mirrors. Uh, Paul Morrissey, the director, plays with this trope and create. there was a day where Udo Kier had promised a German filmmaker, an up-and-comer, that he would help him with a shoot. And Udo said, I had to be good to my word, so I left the set one day for 24 hours. And they ha- they couldn't not film on that day, so they just quickly wrote in a tavern scene with the peasants in the Italian village. Nobody got paid. These were all real Italian villagers not a single penny spent on this. Who's a little uh, unpaid extra hanging out in the back of the room there? Who's that? It's Roman Polanski. With his mustache. No, no mustache. No mustache. Totally oh. clean save it. Totally, totally identifiable. Roman has a, a, he has a literal trick that he can do with a table. I don't want to go. You, if you see the movie, you'll see him do this trick. So they wrote this scene to cover for Udo's absence. They send his uh, little Anton is his name, his little Renfield. Mm-hmm. And Renfield is all kind of also a vampire. Some, like, you know, he's almost turned. Uh, there is a little scene where there's a little trick played and the whole village figures out at one time 
the others in this village are vampires and they're not to be trusted. You are not one of us. That, mm. that was kind of like the, the revelation. So now the urge to find Weirgen blood to Weird. feed, because, because that's the problem. Udo Kier is dying of starvation in Romania because everybody sluts around in Romania. There's no virgins. We, we do find that Wait, thanks sorry, to Romania? Romania is where the, the film begins. Uh, we do find that because Italians are very Catholic, everyone's a virgin in Italy. Sure. <laughs> so they roll, up to, they roll up to Italy and Im immediately <clears throat> find that there is a bit of a, a deficit in virgin blood in Italy also. So Udo's dying. Udo is dying. It's That's why he's supposed to be super skinny. Yeah. Got it. That's why. Virginity yeah. also plays a, a big role in uh, in um, uh, in the uh, Nosferatu in Venice, um, and I believe that Nosferatu wants to die, and so to die he has to sex up a virgin. That's sure. kind of part of yeah. Sure. And so they do talk a lot about virginity. Um, which I mean, is is that like really like like I don't remember like in in Bram Stoker's Dracula, like virginity being a big deal. Like I feel like 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 virginity is an add-on that came way way later and maybe even like seventies eighties kind of thing because there's also First Bite with Jim Carrey, and that yeah. like totally dwells on virginity as well, right? Lauren Hutton, shout out, Lauren Hutton. Yeah, Lauren Hutton. Um, but yeah, so so anyway, um, awesome. Brass. We, yeah. I, I can't believe there's a there's a Dracula. Like I didn't know that Andy Warhol made a Dracula movie. It's actually better than Frankenstein. It's actually the better movie. But again, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. A lot of rape, a lot of sexual assault, a lot of. Um, Orgies, uh, a lot of sex scenes. Uh, not is there a lot of nudity? Oh my god, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, you know, like it's it's not always it's not always a given. And again, here we have two naked Tons. vampire movies right back Tons. to back. Tons. To back. Hmm. And uh, he, so what he was going for was sex, horror, and politics. So the 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 protagonist in the story is a Marxist communist farmhand. Who bangs all the all the arist? Yeah, that's him right there with the axe. This is the man whose crotch is on the cover of Rolling Stone's Sticky Fingers. Mm, okay. Um, he is uh, taking so as the peasant farmer, like uh, you know, far farmhand. He takes advantage sexually of all the aristocrats' daughters. Mm. Um, and he's taking from them the way they've taken from him, like. It's all transactional. It's very political, very transactional, um, and really fucked up. <laughs> well, yeah. those are that's that. This is an awesome deep cut. I think we've we've gotten into some really dark stuff right now. So let's get into a Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, Yay! All right. Let's do it. Okay. Something approaches in darkness while everyone sleeps. Then steals their souls. Tonight, it wants two boys and one father. You're lost! Disguised as a carnival of delights, 
It fools everyone except three people. Two small but very free spirits. And the man it thinks is too old to help them. Dad, they're after us. And now it won't leave without them. I merely wish to give them the valuable rewards that they so richly deserve. In Ray Bradbury's masterpiece of imagination and suspense, something wicked this way comes. Starring Jason Robards. I know who you are. And Jonathan Price. Tell me where the boys are hiding. And I can make you young again. Something wicked this way comes. I believe in devils. But if you're a good person, we can't hurt you, can we? It wants two boys and the one man who can save them. And it's coming up next. Brought to you in part by the Pillsbury Company. Makers of great tasting quality foods for your family. <laughs> I, I I had to leave the Pillsbury yeah, yeah, yeah. in there. Uh, so so okay. So a few things about this, Dan. Before before we let you loose on something wicked this way comes. It's a Disney movie. So Disney produced this. It was the last film that came out of uh, out of uh, I think it was Disney Walt Disney Productions, and then it just became Walt Disney Films or something like that. Um, and then also. Uh, Ray Bradbury had been shopping the script for Something Wicked This Way Comes forever, right? This this was, like, I think that originally he wrote a screenplay before he wrote the book. And the original screenplay was for Gene Kelly. It was a Gene Kelly vehicle. Um, because Ray Bradbury was a huge Gene Kelly fan. So talk us through, uh, talk us through uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, Dan. All right. Well, first off, it's um, one of the best, like, well, it's not very scary, but it's kind of the, one of the best, like, fantastical horror movies ever, ever made. Right. Um, let's just start with carnivals in general and how scary those things are. Right. Sure. Right. So, yeah. So it's, it's about a carnival that's essentially, I guess, run by the devil. Right comes into town and and gives people what they are missing and what they want. Clearly, if you've ever read or seen Stephen King's Needful, uh, Needful Things, it's a complete ripoff, right? Got it. Right, but it's it's just so good. It's so good, like, Jonathan Price is so awesome. As Jonathan Mr. Price is awesome always. Yes, so... and Jason Robards is so good. Like, it's, just, it's, it's not that scary. It's it's kind of sweet like it's very americana like i watch it every year multiple times around halloween it's so fun it's a great movie it's fun i wish they would actually redo it but i'm a, because we have the technology to make it really good but i'm worried about the casting that's the thing well so so a few things about the like the this is a really like effects heavy movie and, and yes. it was originally meant to. I think. I think they went out to Spielberg with this too. Like it was. It was that no, the, it, of production. It was cutting edge at the time, and really, I mean, that cast was not cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. No. For sure. Kirk Douglas was supposed to be involved in this. Yeah. Like it was a whole. It was a whole thing. And then um, also. Um, Funny you should mention Stephen King because he actually wrote a a version of this that was uh, an adaptation of this that was rejected. So my, my guess is that Needful Things might have uh, 
might have been uh, a anger coming out. This, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, and then Jonathan Price is Jonathan Price and um, uh, what's his name, Jason Robards. Jason Robards, yeah. Right, like those are two heavy, heavy, heavy. Right. In what is kind of like a kids' movie, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it's it's a kiddie horror movie. It's not. It's it's creepy. I will. I will. It creeps me out, but it's it's not scary. It's not The Exorcist. You know, it's not The Conjuring. Or but there's something gross about hands in there that I can't. I can't remember if it's hands or knuckles or something. Oh, his hand splits open. The top of his hand splits open. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, the top of his hands. Jason Robards' hands split open from being. Oh yes. Stan Winston. Stan Winston did the effects. So heavy hitters, right? Like yeah, the best this of the was best. a big thing, and yet we don't really talk or see anything about this movie ever. Like, like that was like an NBC like Sunday night promotion that we saw, sponsored right. by After School Special. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was like it went from the, like nobody is nobody is like oh when is this coming to Disney Plus? Nothing. I I hadn't heard of this. Like I no. remember it vaguely. And, and so, Dan, I mean, is this one? But of those it's so good, where, like, like the opening. Is it, or do you just remember it being good when, from when you were? I just a kid watched it. it I just watched it yesterday. Is the it opening credits, like the with the train. The opening credits with the train, like it's got a great soundtrack. It's clearly uh, shot on a set, but like the set is amazing. It's totally Main Street Disney USA. Like it, it's per- it's perfectly made. And, and, and really this scene with Jason Robards and Jonathan Price in the library, because he said the, the kid says at the beginning that this is actually a story about my father, right? And then his father's old. Based on a true story? Right, no. And it, it's father's old. And just the scene with, with Jonathan Price going, 32, gone, 33, gone. Like ripping the pages out of the books. It's a great movie. And it, it, All right. I mean, it, it was popular in the '80s for two minutes. Give it a look. Got it. It's really good. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I, I definitely will. I definitely will. And and uh, and I, I have a feeling that that remake is probably on its way because we don't make anything new anymore. I'm worried about the casting. We have the technology who, to make it better, but God, uh, who would you cast in the, in the major? Yeah, roles who would you cast as Mr. Dark? I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do it right. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have to think. I'll have to get back to you. Do it. <laughs> so, but, but, but really, and let's be honest, like Ray Bradbury, come on, like so, so good. So good, so Ray good. Bradbury. I agree, I agree. Um, and speaking of good, there was uh, Gaston LaRue, another incredible writer who wrote not the movie that Mike Black chose, uh, but here we have Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah! 20th Century Fox presents Phantom of the Paradise, a gothic horror story. What was that? A beautiful love story. A cinematic odyssey through the rock universe. From Greece to glitter. And beyond. 
The story of a sound. The man who created it. The girl who sang it. The monster who stole it. And the phantom who haunts the paradise. The ultimate rock palace. Phantom of the Paradise. My music is for Phoenix. Only she can sing it. Anyone else that tries, dies. Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, you told me one time that you'd be somebody, that you weren't working just to survive. Man, you better get yourself a castrato for this. Paul Williams as Swan. And the angels that I want you to stop terrorizing the paradise and rewrite your cantata. And the Phantom. Phantom of the Paradise. There really is the Phantom. Phantom. They hang on to that PG PG a little long there, but man, yeah. okay. So, has anybody not seen this? Okay, I've never good. seen this. Right. I've never even heard of this. Before. What? Oh, what? Oh, Dan, you're missing out. Oh my God, you're missing out. Mike, talk us through <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise, and then we can all just go crazy on. Do you guys think right. Daft Punk ever saw this? Uh, they might. Oh, have. You're, you're talking about the helmet? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Brass's lipstick reminds me of, uh, of, of, yeah. All right. Talk us through it, Mike. It, it's a modern retelling of Phantom of the Opera. And it came out, I don't know if it came out before Rocky Horror or right after. I feel like after. And <laughs> um, music by Paul, the Muppet Show, uh, the Muppet Movie Williams who also plays essentially the devil uh, in it. Uh, you saw the, I don't know the actor's name that plays Beef, but that character kind of replaces uh, Carlotta from Phantom. Right. And it's actually a very good movie underneath all the incredibly crazy excessive trappings of the time. There's a, a really good story in there the actors uh none of them i could i could tell you their names but uh, are famous but they're all very very good for the parts that they're playing and it was a love letter to uh horror movies too like that you see a big set on the stage it's a frankenstein type set yeah. and it's a pretty loving caricature of an actual set from the Universal Frankenstein. And the story beat for beat follows all the way through. It is a complete retelling of Phantom of the Opera. And the music that Paul Williams does for it is fantastic. It really is. The music is its own thing. That's I would the say real that the music. star of the movie, if, if anything, it, it's just a visual showcase of his genius. And 
I think he took the task at hand of <laughs> making, yeah, a Phantom for a modern audience and really put his soul into it. And there are so many things that, uh, like Dan, like you suggested, there are so many things that this movie influenced that I think it's probably on an incalculable level. Uh, yeah. I, I see it in the voice used in uh, that Christian Bale used for Batman. I think that is a direct result of this movie because it's one of the scariest voices for a monster that's ever been put on film. Uh, the way uh, he uses harmonics to replace his acid burn vocal cords. It's fucked up. Yeah, and it is. It, he gets his face, uh, like, it's not as, uh, it, he gets his face his smashed face on, a, on a record press. Yeah, a record press. That's what it is. Yeah, and they don't, even though it's very tongue-in-cheek and a lot of fun, they do not shy away from the moments of actual horror. Yeah, uh, agreed. Like, the moments that are supposed to be scary are fucking scary or unsettling or whatever they're supposed to be. Uh, yeah, just look at that fucking guy. The uh, silver teeth and the black yeah. lips are horrifying. Like, and you I, the like that that legit terrifying. It's still unsettling today. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for but sure. But yeah, I, have, I already loved this movie. A couple years back, me and Brass got to go see it at the New Beverly. And, and the print really, was like a 35 Miller. Nice yeah, and my God, it it's starting to really get a big cult following now. If you guys haven't seen it, it is a great thing to see for Halloween or, you know, uh, leading in, into the holidays. It's a really, really fun movie. Um, with or without psychedelics. You could do it either way. <laughs> uh, and I think you'd have to I mean, so... I think what, speaking of psychedelics, right? Like, there's like 1974 is when the the movie came out, okay. and you know we're talking Paul Williams. Like most of the cast, I would say, would be unknown and would remain somewhat unknown. Is that is that a fair fair assessment for us? So, yeah. That the cast is mostly oh very much so. Uh, yeah. But yeah. beef beef is played by a, an actor named Garrett Grant. He's done Ooh, a lot I of. Thought he was excellent in it for a big He's still alive. character like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Paul Williams is still very much around and kicking. Very in fact, much alive. I saw him at Muppets at the Bowl. Uh, yes. When I went to see the Muppets at the at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, and he plays but, yeah. a great villain in this. Like he's really, really good. He is. He is awesome. I think so. So, the um, the character, I believe is supposed to be, he's an evil music producer right? right and and uh i believe that they they basically are just like yeah this is supposed to be phil specter oh, oh yeah that's interesting oh yeah. I can yeah. See that. yeah yeah like like they they literally like uh yeah and then here's something interesting this woman jessica harper yes uh, plays who phoenix. plays plays phoenix beat out linda ronstadt Imagine for the role that. of Phoenix. Imagine her being wow. in. What? No. That was that was not great casting right there. Well, no. I think if she would have Linda would have been in a separate movie than everybody else. Right. This, yeah, that's this, real. This young lady was given the assignment and completed the assignment. Yeah. Linda Ronstadt would have been like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> yeah. 
I could I could see that movie. I could see that being an interesting movie. Yeah. But the the lady who did it, it's hard for me to see anyone else because she was. I thought she was great. You know. And and Linda Ronset has massive megastar abilities. She's been discovered. Jessica yeah. Harper was new to everybody. Right, and I guess that's yeah. part of the thing, right? The part of the story is that she was a newcomer and she was she was amazing. Um, and I mean, and just the the so you you're, I'm thinking 1974. The the parallels between this and I mean it's the peak of the disco era and also the peak of studio 54 like yeah. there are there are traces of all of that i mean the disco world right like like this is a disco movie and they reference disco a lot in this movie yeah um but also they do this weird like parade of nations thing with like genres of rock yeah they, kind of... they do like kind of a history of rock through the different acts <laughs> Like there's that uh, doo-woppy sort of band. Yeah, the Juicy Fruits. <laughs> Greasers. Yeah, the Greasers. Right. Yeah. And they and they specifically reference glitter, so there's a David Bowie thing in there. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Like the yeah, androgyny of the glam. disco. Right. Glam. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a it's a great movie. Didn't uh, Rocky Horror come out in '75? Maybe. Uh, was it? it was already a popular the, theater show. Predates it. I think. I think yeah, the show came out in the seventies, but like the movie was like eighty or seventy-nine or something. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah. So, 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 Phantom of the Paradise probably took the energy of Rocky Horror on the stage version and go. They're like, we can do that, but we can do a movie version of it. Let's yeah. do Phantom of the Opera. Let's get like all of this rock. And it's so it's funny because it definitely like it definitely has a balance between like like actually terrifying things and nonstop kitsch, which I think is it's it's a fine line to walk. And they well, do and it really, really Brian well. De Palma. De Palma. And uh, you know did we I don't know if I lost audio or went into a time. Break. No, no, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay. You're good. Uh, I was saying that uh, Brian De Palma directed it, who famously said, "You know, the good borrow the great steal." Right. And I think that <laughs> it's that's very evident here. Uh, yeah. The, in fact, the probably the saving grace of the movie is Paul Williams. It had yeah. had he not been involved in it, I don't know that I would give a shit about this movie you know right yeah i think we but hit on something though thing, you know. what do we hit on dan i think we hit on something about uh horror movies in general is about good kitsch and the horror like coming together in the right moments yeah like I that's mean, really what makes a good horror movie that's what makes mars attacks so good yeah. Right. right. That's what makes that what's that's I mean, honestly, like like the only good movies that uh I, I my favorite Tim Burton movies are the ones that that really meld that world together. Sometimes he gets like a like way off on the kitsch and you're just kinda like, yeah. come on, man, bring it back, yeah. bring it back. But but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think that's and that's um I, I've said this before, but I'll say Beetlejuice. It again. I watched it right. the other I watched it yesterday. It's so good. It's such a yeah. good yeah. movie, Beetlejuice. Yeah, um, compared like, to Michael Keaton. Chocolate Factory on the other end of that. Story. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly, right? Which is no. all kitsch. And, 
Yeah. They never gave like Oscars for comedy at those times, but like Michael Keaton was that's one of his best performances ever. Yeah. That's and so because good. and Jack Nicholson was genuinely terrifying and kitschy. Right. Yeah. Yep. In in uh Brass in Batman. Oh, I was yeah. <laughs> Brass I is was, just like I don't think he was in Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, I was like I don't yeah. know how to break this deal, but okay. Yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, so Phantom of the Paradise is like a, it's a classic. If no, if you haven't seen it, you must. Uh, and I'm glad we, these really strong ending for October, you guys. Really, really awesome. So um, thank you all for uh, for doing this again this October, Mike. It, it wouldn't Absolutely. be the same without you. So we are so glad um, I wouldn't you were it. able to do. Well, much appreciated. Um, we're going to end but it's not really going to be over everybody's going to hang out here and we're going to have a bonus mini episode where we're all going to bring in our um our honorable mentions for the year these are these are films that we didn't get to talk about but we wanted to talk about um and so goodbye everybody but also everybody who's on here don't leave we're going to end the show, and then we're going to restart the show, and then we're going to have the little mini episode around the, the honorable man. All right. So, all right. So, bye, everybody. It's Goodbye, over. Everybody. All right.